and welcome to Shattered Lives, an informed, conversational, cutting-edge radio show in touch with today's issues that impact the lives of crime victims, addressing the aftermath of crime, forging a path for hope, building awareness, and empowering listeners for the future. This is Donna Argor, a.k.a. Lady Justice, your host, with my co-host Delilah Jones, president of ImaginePublicity.com, welcoming you to today's show and to our library of weekly archive shows. It is our goal to make a difference. And indeed, it's our goal to make a difference uh, each and every Saturday. Um, and today is no different here. We're, we're um, here um, doing a show in uh, mid-April. And uh, this month, there's a big focus on um, victim rights because we have just had um, National Crime Victim Rights Week, and um, our guest today is someone that that I am very fortunate to know and and have admired for many years. And it took us a while to get him on air, but um, we are going to be introducing in just a minute Dr. Scott Bond, um, who um, has who has many talents with regard to working with uh, criminology. And, and media and psychology today, and is an author of, of many books. So we're going to focus on a couple of uh, a particular relationship between um, mass murder and suicide, both of which he knows quite a bit about. So I think it's going to be a fascinating show. But prior to bringing him on formally, I want to say good morning, Delilah. Good morning. Um, can you give us a little bit of um, insight into, uh, you know, your knowledge of Scott? And you've worked with him in the past, so we're, we're pretty excited about having him out today, right? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. He, um, he's he been one of my stellar clients at Imagine Publicity. And Imagine Publicity basically sponsors the programming here on the Inside Lens Network. And it's it's a small boutique agency. We work with individuals, authors, nonprofits. We do social media management virtual assistance, just about anything you don't want to do online or don't know how to do, we'll do it for you. So we have things tailored to whatever your needs might be. And just a quick plug for the Inside Lens Network, it's it's a collection of a lot of different podcasts with mostly issue-oriented programming on CrimeWire, this one, Shattered Lives. I've also started Imagine Publicity on Air. Um, there's a series on writer's tips and mob and mafia stories. So there's a Ooh. lot to binge on. So there's 700 shows, 700 episodes in the can. So get busy. It's something for everyone. And before we go, am I one of your stellar clients? <laughs> yes, Donna. Um, well, thank you. <laughs> um, okay. Well, um, as we said, um, Scott Bond, um, to most people, um, he needs no introduction. But, uh, you know, we, he has impacted many people's lives with regard to his knowledge across a number of different um, areas in terms of uh, being a, a media consultant, in terms of uh, criminology and sociology, in terms of being a social scientist, where he has espoused um, certain theories for people to think about with regard to, to crime and how it impacts the lives of crime victims. And he also has two different books so, um, and not to mention, a few years ago, he was a presenter at the Q Center um, for Missing Persons, and that was a fascinating um, time to have him as well. So, Scott, with, uh, without further ado, thank you so much for joining us and being part of the Shattered Lives uh, Radio family. Well, well, thank you, Donna. It's wonderful to be here, um, and always, as always, uh, Delilah, it's good to talk to you. So, yeah, I'm, I'm excited to be on the show. Well, we're we're glad to have you. And like I say, we could talk about a number of different things. And I know you're, you're you have your your hand in many different uh, pies, so to speak. And um, perhaps why don't we um, uh, start up just by telling people with respect to what's going on 
currently um, in case people need an update. What kind of projects are you working on right now? Well, I'm, uh, I, as uh, I've been doing for the last several years, I, I write a, uh, uh, an ongoing uh, blog for psychologytoday.com, and the, uh, the name of my blog is Wicked Deeds, um, two separate words, Wicked Deeds. And um, uh, I have a, a library of, um, gee, I don't even know how many articles now, dozens and dozens of, uh, of, of articles that I've, that I've uh, written and posted over the years. So, uh, I, and I address a, um, uh, a myriad of crime and victim issues. So, um, you know, you, you mentioned, uh, you know, binge, binge programming. Well, you can binge on uh, articles there as, uh, as well. And um, uh, the, the book that, that many people um, know, know me for um, that uh, I'm very happy is, has become something of an evergreen book in true crime uh, is uh, titled uh, Why We Love Serial Killers, The Curious Appeal of the World's Most Savage Murderers. And um, that is a uh, really a, it's a sociological look at uh, serial killers in our society and, um, and almost flips the uh, mirror um, to, uh, to, for society to look at itself and, and why we have this fascination with these, you know, with these, with these individuals. And uh, so I'm very pleased that that book has done real well. Um, I'm currently working with a, um, a leading, a leading um, television producer, independent uh, television producer, one of the largest um, that, that uh, produces true crime programming for uh, uh, the major networks. And uh, we're trying to d- develop a, uh, a series or uh, multiple series together. And uh, so hopefully we'll have an announcement for uh, not in, in the not too distant uh, future. So I'm well, very involved in that project. Well, well, that sounds exciting. And it just occurred to me when you were talking about your, your serial killer book, does it have with, with what we're going to talk about with mass murder and all, is it in, in, 2018 now, I don't know exactly when your book was published, looking here, does it have even more relevance now than when you initially published the book because of what's going on currently? um, uh, The book came out in 2014, by the way, fall of 2014, so it's been out, um, uh, it'll be, it'll be three and a half years, Um, and um, and I definitely address uh, the differences between serial murder and, and mass murder in, uh, in that book. And it's mass murder that's really on the rise right now. And, um, and I have some sociological perspectives on why that is the case. And, yes, I do address those very issues in the, uh, uh, in the book. Mm-hmm. So I would say, well, yes, it, it, it definitely is very relevant today. Well, yeah, I, I would think so. And just to let people know, what is available on Barnes and Noble, Indie Books, and Amazon? Um, yeah, yeah, and in many many bookstores, including uh, Barnes and no- Noble. But uh, the easiest way, if you want to uh, check it out online, is either um, you know Indie Books, Amazon, or or Barnes and Noble. Well, and well, it's good. available good. in Kindle as well. It, yeah, you can you can read it electronically, uh, you know, Kindle, um, yeah. as well as uh, good old, good old fashioned paperback. Yeah, well, um, I, I I think that's great, and for those of who may be unfamiliar, they can just go to one of those resources. And so, it, in terms of sort of framing the issue today, I was wondering um, on a personal level, because I know you've been through many many different, um, shall we say, emotional emotional issues as as I have, um, both mm-hmm. health related, both suicide related, both crime related. Do you think, um, just in general, working working with mass murder gives you a perspective on life that you know sometimes is is negative because of the nature of the work you do, or do you, are you the kind of person that would embrace all the good you can um, be, because of because of what you've learned about the dark side of life? How do you how do you conduct yourself when you have to immerse yourself in in this dark side, Scott? Well, that's a, that's a good. That's a very good question. And um, at at one level, uh, I'm, I'm trained as a social scientist, so there's a, you know there's a bit of a uh, um, a professional distance that 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 one establishes to look at these issues. You know, I'm I'm looking at it from the standpoint of 
of, uh, of, of an analysis and trying to draw some conclusions that I can share with society and, and of course, uh, legislators and, and policymakers and so forth. Um, so it, it, it's a, it, it is a, um, you know, a very serious and professional topic. But then, of course, there is the, the, the human level. I'm, I'm human. These, uh, I'm, I'm dealing with other human beings. So emotion is always going to be part of it. And, and I, try not to, I try not to frame things as purely good or bad. Um, uh, good versus evil. I don't like those kind of dichotomies because I think uh, that life itself uh, lives in the, in the gray areas. And so even when you look at horrible situations, um, it's possible to find the good in those, in those situations. There's always, um, uh, uh, I, I think, beauty even in the midst of turmoil and, and trauma and, and uh, disaster. And so I try to look at the full palette of colors, you know, when I, when I look at these things. And um, uh, uh, so, yes, I mean, in, 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 in any of these, I think when you look at it, whether it's the, uh, 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 the, the, the victims that, that are affected and their survival stories and, and how they persist and, and, uh, and prevail, um, there's always beautiful stories to tell. Well, I, I totally agree with you because they're out of out of bad and tragedy. There 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 comes you know very good things, and and we we both work on on that aspect, and you know trying to help others and whatnot. But in in terms of being, you know, is there always this danger of okay, I I'm looking at it sometimes as a social scientist from an academic standpoint, and people particularly online, they're sometimes they're looking at it from the salacious, sensational viewpoint, and you, you, you want to get out the important information there, but yet sometimes people don't want to get bogged down in numbers. They just want to know the sort of gory details. So how do you bring the information to, to you know, give it a perspective that people will be attracted to read it but don't get lost in the, you know, the mire of, of the dark side of it. You know, you want to convey the good, inf- the, the, the salient information, but yet people don't necessarily pay attention to numbers, do they? No, no, that's absolutely true. And um, uh, I think all I can do is try to tell my truth, you know, tell, tell the story as honestly as I can based upon, uh, upon how, I, uh, how it unfolds to me and, and, and how, I, uh, you know, how I interpret it. And then, and then uh, if, I, if I present it in as honest a, uh, a way to the public as I can, and I really believe that, that, I'm, that I'm being truthful in, in, in my storytelling, then um, I've done all I can. How it's received by some, someone else I really can't control and people have, as you, as both of you know, people have different motivations. There are people who are drawn to uh, true crime stories because of the survival stories and, and to be inspired by, 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 by the, the stories of victims and, and those affected and how they, they, they persevere and prevail. And then there are others, and I'm not saying this is every, everyone, but there are those who are drawn to it like a train wreck and just enjoy lurid pictures of, of mayhem and, and, and debauchery. And, and it's a source of, of popcorn entertainment, you know, so there's, there are uh, people are drawn to these things for very different reasons and they're going to take out of it what they, what they will. I, I, I can't, I can't control, can't control how it. it's received, how it's received. Yeah. I can only control how I present it. And I try to do that with as much integrity and honesty as, as I can. Well, I, I think that's an important point to make, and I try to stay away from that second group. Those are not people I want to hang out with. <laughs> but I remember, I remember a conversation that we had a long time ago, Scott, about, and and I know you've written about this as well, and it's probably in the book too. And the fact that our media has taken so much of this, so much of the true crime, and made pop icons out of. Um, serial killers and mass murderers mm-hmm. and so forth. And we still see this even today, even, you know, with, with the recent one that comes to my mind is the Parkland shooting. And mm-hmm. also the one here in, um, in Charleston with Dylan roof. How, mm-hmm. how do you address that? What, what are your thoughts on that? Yeah, well, that's, I mean, you know, that's a great question. And, and, and in many ways that is the, 
that is the issue that got me to write the, the book, Why We Love Serial Killers, uh, because I, I, I used to work, you know, for, for your audience and people who may not know, before I entered the, uh, the academic world and became a college professor, I worked for many, many years in the, the media field, and, and I, was a, I was a vice president of marketing at NBC Television Network in the, in the 90s. And it became very apparent to me while I was there that news, news stories are just another form of entertainment from the perspective of the media. And the more lurid it is, the, 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 there's, a, there's an old journalistic um, um, uh, term that says, if it bleeds, it leads. And so, so the more sensationalized they can make it, the more likely it is that people will either tune in or buy magazines and, and newspapers. So it's in their best interest to, to, to sensationalize. Um, and, and I became aware of that. And now from the public's perspective, okay, it's like, it's like putting fuel on the fire and it gets everybody uh, you know, stirred, stirred up, but it doesn't, it doesn't do justice to the real human um, uh, actors involved, um, and particularly the victims and, and the families of, the, uh, of those affected. Uh, because as you said, uh, Delilah, it can turn the likes of a mass murderer or a serial killer into a, into a rock star, you know? I mean, in his own way, individuals like, like Charles Manson and BTK and, and, uh, and David Berkowitz and, and, and the Zodiac have become, um, you know, iconic pop culture figures. And everyone knows their names, but no one knows the names of their hundreds of, of, of victims. And that's a, you know, that's a tragedy. That's very, that's it's very so unfortunate. And so warped. And so, you know, I can use a million adjectives. It, it just, the, the focus is so unfair to, um, you know, f- f- families of crime victims that, you know, these people would become iconic and that, you know, want their 15, 30 minutes, how, however long of fame. Look at how many years, mm-hmm. you know. With the, mm-hmm. But, you know, I guess we're not going to change it unless unless media somehow has an epiphany and, and starts deciding that they, they owe, owe something better to crime victims. In fact, just to mention to you, uh, I know that, you know, Diane Diamond wrote the foreword to your book, and we – very fortunately, I was able to have her on my show about a month ago, and we, we got into this issue about, you know, so much attention on on the killer and how about the crime victim. And she was like, well, we, as a journalist, we need to study them because we need to understand so we can prevent. And I can see that to a point, but, you know, I, I don't know if we ever came together on that point because we're always going to come at it from different perspectives, but it it is still out there. Um, yeah, with, absolutely. Yeah, you know, we're we're never going to agree on that because we're different people. We're different. We we come from different backgrounds and have different experiences. If if you're not a homicide survivor, you're not going to understand my point of view totally. But you can try mm-hmm. to, you know. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. so so with that, I was wondering if if we can kind of delve into the issue, into the meat of the matter here. And mm-hmm. um, talk about is uh, getting into the relationship between mass murder, homicide, and suicide. Now, in your opinion, Scott, is homicide really like suicide turned inward, or how how can we get introduce the theory that you have here? Okay. Uh, well, uh, once again, a great question, and um, I, I guess I should give a little background and. And, you know, my own personal experience Um, in 2013, um, actually November of 2013, a um, a very, very dear and close uh, friend to me uh, um, suddenly uh, and without any real indication um, hanged herself, committed suicide. And she was only 47 years old at the um, at the time. And she was just an amazing human being, just a beautiful inside and out. And, um, and it was just a, you know, a tragedy that was devastating to me personally, as well as her, as her family. And as I struggled to, to deal with this, uh, my own grief, um, I, as then, uh, what happened was it inspired me as a, uh, as a social scientist 
to really delve into the issue of and uh, what I learned um, was was really quite fascinating to me and 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 as well as disturbing and what what I what I what I have determined and and this is this is a pattern that I I, I saw several years ago and it continues today in fact the disparity is actually getting worse is that we have homicide and suicide are going in opposite directions. Um, we, we, uh, suicide has, has increased more than 100%, um, uh, near, actually 100, about 150% in the last 10 years, whereas uh, 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 homicide, excuse me, did I say suicide? Su- suicide yeah. has increased, increased um, nearly 150%. Homicide has been declining quite steadily since uh, the mid 1990s. The, the, the peak of homicide in the United States was 1993. <clears throat> it was that long ago. And that year, 1993, there were about 24,000, under 25,000 homicides that year. Homicide now is dramatically down. It's, uh, it's about 15,000 uh, homicides per year, which is a wonderful thing. I mean, that's a, that's a great thing that homicide has dropped that far. But conversely, there are now nearly... Uh, 50,000 suicides per year. So what we have is a situation where, where homicides are outnumbered nearly three to one or better than three to one now by, by suicides. And to me, that is just a, you know, it's just a terrible tragedy. We have people taking their own lives. So I've been saying for several years now that, that in many ways, um, suicide is, is the new murder, uh, but, but it's, it's directed inward. It's anger and rage directed, uh, directed inward. And, is that um, across all demographics and age ranges, Scott? Well, in, in fact, uh, uh, new patterns are, are emerging that, that I believe can be explained sociologically. Um, mm-hmm. uh, up, up until about 15 years ago, suicide in the United States, and in, as well as in many other countries, by the way, um, was concentrated among the very, very young and the very, very elderly. It was like a bell-shaped curve. If you imagine like, a, you know, the old, from school, a bell-shaped curve. It was very high on, on either end, and then it dipped in the, in the middle. Um, and, there, and, there's, and there's sociological reasons for this. Um, t- teenagers, uh, historically, were, were very at risk, have been at risk for suicide. It's a very unsettling time, a time of change physically and emotionally, um, and, and student or uh, 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 young people who don't feel uh, tethered to society and grounded will sometimes, um, you know, uh, take, take their own lives. And in the case of the elderly, you have people who are dealing with health problems, um, the loss of loved ones and so forth, and, and suffering from despair will sometimes take their lives. So historically in the United States, those were the two groups demographically that the young and the elderly who were taking their lives. Now, what we've seen in the last 15 years is that that middle range is growing dramatically. And in fact, the, the median age for suicide now is exactly the age of my, of my um, dear friend, who, uh, Angela, who committed suicide, and that is 47 years old. In their 40s. So middle-aged. Wow. Yeah. Yep. It's now middle-aged people who are taking their lives. And there are many reasons for this. I think that uh, some of them have to do with um, uh, financial issues and, and the fact that many people still struggle with uh, caregiving and, and, and health care and, and, and so forth. Um, you have middle-aged people who are stretched and, and, um, and, uh, 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 and overwhelmed with, with still taking care of children who, who may be out of school but, but uh, not off on their own yet, not out of the nest yet, and they have responsibilities there. Uh, the population is aging, so many uh, pe- people who are middle-aged are also dealing with aging and ailing parents. So That sandwich generation kind of concept, yeah. Exactly, exactly. Right? Um, mm-hmm. So tremendous uh, financial, emotional, and even physical strain. Um, we also live in very divisive political times. I don't, you know, that certainly doesn't come as a surprise to any of us. And there's a lot of fear in society. There's a lot of, uh, of um, uh, religious and racial and political tensions. All of this creates a, a really an, uh, you know, a backdrop of anxiety 
and um, and in many cases a sense of hopelessness. And so I think that's that's why suicide is has been um, uh, growing dramatically. Yeah, um, it it just seems well, Scott, incredible. Scott, in those figures, in those figures that you've you've studied, does it also take mm-hmm. into consideration people who, uh, you know, are in maybe right to die states where they can have assisted suicide because of their you know, illness they, or terminal, you know, their their they, lives can end. It's a it's a that's a great great question, Delilah, and and the the, the suicide numbers are not as clean as the homicide numbers. And what I mean by that is, um, you, there are people who um, whose uh, uh, suicide may be assisted. Um, uh, sometimes uh, these suicides could actually be misinterpreted, uh, at, you know, e- either as accidental drug overdoses, because as you know, we have an opiate em- epidemic and a drug epidemic in, in the United States. Um, these numbers are, are fuzzy. Suicide numbers are a little more fuzzy than, uh, than, than homicide numbers. And, um, and in fact, I think you could make a very strong case that the suicide numbers are actually uh, low because there are, there are many, many overdoses that are attributed to, to being accidental when, in fact, um, uh, many of them may well be, uh, uh, may well be suicides. Um, well, another so, thing that we've run into and seen quite often is many cases of um, investigating agencies and, and jurisdictions you know, ruling as suicide in order to close a case. Maybe it's a murder, exactly. maybe it's a homicide, maybe right. it's something mm-hmm. else. So, and I've, I mean, yep. I've run into a lot of people in that situation. So is that becoming any more prevalent or is it just something that's an anomaly out there or people are just becoming aware that they can fight that and they can have the death certificates um, changed? I think I think that that um, what you're describing is uh, is an aspect of this overall uh, phenomenon, uh, which again is um, uh, the point the point that I that I'm that I'm trying to make is that that depending upon what agency you talk to and what the source of your information is, you're going to get different numbers for uh, for suicide, and that and that's a, a, because of the way that the numbers are are collected, but Regardless of the source and regardless of, of, of how you collect this stuff, where you're, you're, you're still left with the impression that, that suicides vastly outnumber homicide, um, you know, in, in the range of, of three to one, and the disparity between the two groups is, is increasing, and, uh, meaning that homicides, uh, you know, are still going down and, and suicides are going up. And as a society, as a society, that's a serious problem. And no one's really talking about it, you know. Um, no, no one wants to talk about this, and that's because there's so much stigma attached to uh, suicide. You know, we, uh, we're, we're happy to talk about homicide because there you have somebody to blame. You can point your finger at somebody, you know. But when it comes to suicide. I was just going to ask that, Scott, because yep. it seems like in these cases, you know, not that homicide is ever palatable, acceptable, but the families are so adamant um, it couldn't be suicide. They were very happy. They were on the verge of this whatever positive thing. And so mm-hmm. that's exactly what I thought of, that, that, that there is that stigma associated and somehow homicide is more palatable in a way than, than suicide yep. is. So, and, but, but how, what's the percentage of these cases where, where, where they are truly right? Is it like, 50-50 that, okay, maybe they screwed up and it was a homicide versus a suicide. Is there any data yet? Is it too early to see how many of these cases are really being, quote, misinvestigated, misdiagnosed? There's, there's, uh, there's really no way to um, uh, draw those kind of conclusions because, well, uh, again, different agencies collect the, uh, the data. And um, and there's no consistency uh, between them. Uh, so I think the for for the purposes of our of our dis, our discussion here, it's the 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 the, 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 the takeaway is that suicide it has be, is becoming an increasing problem uh, in the United States. 
um, um, literally at epidemic levels. If you if you have between 45 and 50,000 people committing suicide each year, um, you got a, you have a serious problem in, in in the United States. But again, no one wants to talk about it, and um, and uh, I it, it 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 makes us very as a society, it makes us very uncomfortable. It, it, there's there's shame associated with it. Who do you blame? You know, that, that, that's why as a, as, a, as a society, we're much more comfortable talking about suicide, excuse me, homicide, because mm-hmm. there we're looking for the perpetrator. We want to point our finger at somebody. We want justice and we want we want to put that person away. But when it comes to suicide, who's to blame? Is it the individual, the poor, you know, the, 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 the person who, who was so unhappy that they took their life? Is it society? You know, who is it? You know, and so it's just a, it's such a, uh, um, an emotional and um, problematic uh, uh, topic. I mean, I, I, I cannot get people to talk about it. When I, when I, when I discuss this very issue with television networks um, and, um, and, and producers, they just don't want to talk about it. They want to, they want to talk about homicide, but they do not want to talk about suicide. Well, well, and it's such know, a personal personal decision. It's not something you can, you know, really wrap your head around the reasons and and blame. But mm-hmm. you can't legislate it either. You can't. That's right. You can't right. bring justice to it. And that's no, you, one thing that you know. Of course, all of the TV shows are justice oriented. That's right. It's all about closure. You know. That's why true crime. You know. Shows. Are, are one of the reasons that they're so popular because at the at, at the end of the hour you have a nice uh, tidy ending you know a nice neat and tidy ending you know we justice prevailed we locked up the bad guy or bad woman and we're done but you can't do that with suicide so it, the, these stories are just very uh, 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 make, again as a society they just they make us, wrap uh, it very up uncomfortable with a little bow. yeah yeah that's right but Scott personal from a personal standpoint since we're kind of Using you as an example since you volunteered, and thank you so much because I know it's a very painful topic. But on a mm-hmm. personal level, since you have dealt with this, is this something like you know searching for the why, what happened? Have, do you have to try to address that question yourself personally before you can you can heal from it and move on? And in 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 your personal experience, what how did you? How did you deal with that for those those people who are listening that are dealing with suicide? Can you can you share a little bit of that side with us? Yeah, well, sure. Thank, and and uh, again, thank you for asking a very um, poignant uh, question. Um, initially, I had all the the normal myriad of, of emotions. I was I was um, uh, 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 just it would hit me in the in the you know in the stomach like a like a you know like a punch and um, I was I I had despair um, I was um, in shock uh, I had I was angry you know I was angry at her for 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 taking her life and then I felt guilt you know was I somehow responsible did I do something you know that led to this. Um, you know, all the, all the, you know, normal range of emotions and, um, and you just have to go through that. And, um, and uh, ultimately the, 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 uh, the conclusion that I came to is that this was a choice that, that she made and it was a terrible choice. And I, and I, I'm so, um, you know, still to, to this very day. So, so uh, 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 you know, hate the fact that, that that she chose this decision, but nevertheless, I have to accept it. I have to accept the fact that this was her was her choice, and I get some small um, uh, solace from the fact that at least she's no longer in that intolerable agony. I mean, if you if you okay. think about the yeah. If you think about the, 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 the intolerable emotional agony that someone is, is in at the very moment that they pull the trigger or, or hang themselves or take poison or whatever they do, um, no one wants their, their loved one to feel that way. And so I get some solace from the fact that, that, uh, that, she's, that, that she is no longer in that pain. And I, I'm also um, a fairly spiritual person, and and I believe that she is now, um, you know, with with her uh, creator, and and she's at peace. 
In fact, her name was Angela, which is, is uh, you know, angel of God. And I believe she is exactly uh, there uh, with, with her maker right now. And she is an angel of God. And I just choose to believe that God needed his angel so much that he brought her home early. That's the way I've, I've come to accept this. That you've come to heal. Now, with regard to, I mean, some people, whether it's like a, you know, a family situation and parents are looking at it and, and saying, well, uh, to try to convince themselves I, I was not responsible whatsoever or what, what could I have done to, to stop this, to stall this, um, it, 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 that's kind of a normal scenario, isn't it? And did you did you feel like, well, if only she had shared that maybe maybe I could have done something to forestall this? Yeah, yeah. Well, of course. I mean, that is that's just right. uh, you know that's that's human nature. Normal. Um, thing, yeah. Right, right. It it is. I mean, you know, so you, you do go through those emotions, but then you know you 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 can't. You can't get caught up in the what if game, you know, because the reality is, is, is she committed suicide and, and like it or not, it was a choice that she made or that anyone makes who, who chooses to commit suicide. And so you have to accept that and, and move on. You, you can't live in, in the past. You can learn from the past, but you can't wallow and, and, um, and live in the past. If you do, you're, you know, you're robbing yourself of the present and the, and, and the future as well as people around you. And so, I choose to live. I choose to move on. Um, hopefully, um, I, I learned something from that experience, and I know that I benefited from the experience of having Angela as my, uh, uh, you know, dear friend and someone very special in my life. Um, so I, I try to um, tell her story as a cautionary tale, and and um, and hope that it maybe it can benefit someone else. Right. Well, with with regard to. Um the issue of suicide and kind of tying it in um, to um, the other the other aspect that we're discussing here, kind of the elephant in the room. The, it, I know in talking about the fact that homicide is uh, de-escalating, if you want to use that term, except for mass murder, and we're seeing you know that skyrocket. So how do we? How do we account for that? Because many of these people, and this was a point that Diane Diamond had made, that the the last one at that point had not taken his life, and therefore, therefore, we can talk to this person, we can try to understand, we can study it more. How do we link those two together now, Scott? Good, good question, and um, and this is where the the discussion gets sociological once again. The um, uh, the, the aspect of mass murder that that we're talking about here are the mass public shootings. Um, mass murder is, is is defined as a situation where uh, uh, actually two or more individuals die in um, in, a, in a in a single event. It used to be three or more, but now the FBI has actually lowered the uh, lowered um, it to the, two. The, yeah, lowered it to two. Um, so that's so it's a distinction, you know, between serial killing and 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 mass murder. Serial killing is one person in a at a crime scene, but on multiple occasions that's serial. Mass is multiple people in one event. Um, and but but the majority of mass murders are actually familicides. It's where individuals uh, kill their family and and them and themselves. The, the, the aspect of mass murder that I'm focusing on here and drawing the comparison to suicide is mass public, the events like the, the Las Vegas massacre and the Charleston shooting and so forth, where an individual comes in to a situation, um, mm-hmm. goes into a, you know, a church or a, or a movie theater and kills multiple Sandy people. Sandy Hook, now, one of the prime yeah, examples, exactly, right? Exactly. Now, in at least 50% of these situations, these, these, mass, mur- these uh, mass public shooting situations, the individual, the perpetrator dies at the crime scene. And it's normally either they take their own life, they turn the gun on, on themselves, or they die at the crime scene. Um, and it's often referred to as suicide by cop, where they're, you know, they're, they're shot by, the, uh, by law enforcement. Now, these individuals, who perpetrate this, these mass public shootings, um, across the board, 
These are alienated, angry, fatalistic individuals who have rage against society, often rage against themselves. They've suffered some sort of, of, of tremendous loss that, 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 that they feel. They often, they often perceive of the, themselves as victims, and they're, they're making this statement um, that they're going to go out in a blaze of glory, so to speak, and the world will remember me. Um, this is a, this is a, um, it's a stereotype that I'm using here, but it's a very common um, uh, 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 personality uh, profile for these types of, uh, of, of killers. Um, now, the same type of fatalistic um, uh, 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 feeling about life in general and, um, and anger and internal self-anger um, is, this, is, is consistent with, with suicide. Um, individuals who are committing suicide are typically very angry at, at, at themselves and oftentimes angry at the world and angry at, at their loved ones. And they're taking their life sometimes as a statement, but to, to, to uh, uh, you know, simply uh, 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 um, end a, a world of pain, a world that they, they feel uh, has, has done them wrong. So there's a, there's a, there's a, a, common, um, a common set of emotional um, and, and personality uh, traits among individuals who commit suicide and individuals who commit these, these, these barbaric uh, uh, public shootings. And well, so what would make the difference with regard to um, this this last perpetrator that they were able to capture, you know, without killing him? Is it a matter of the police being able to step in before that fatal movement and they, he wasn't didn't have access to a weapon to kill themselves and therefore they could, you know, um, you know, study him or, or, or take him to, you know, to prosecution and conviction. I mean, what, what is the difference there? You know, is it a matter of timing? Is it a matter of that particular person really didn't want to die, but, but was, um, was um, making their rage, um, forcing it outward versus inward, which is not as common? I think that um, it depends upon the, the needs of the individual, what's driving them. Um, and in some cases, I think these mass shooters actually want to um, bask in the glory, uh, if, uh, if you will, um, to see, you know, what, what the, the carnage that they've, that they've created. Um, and they actually get some satisfaction from looking at it because uh, oftentimes these mass shooters are individuals who feel worthless. They, they, feel, they feel that society has done them wrong, they're, they're worthless, and they want to say to society, you will remember me. You know, this is, this is, my, you know, this is my, uh, uh, my, my uh, legacy, my, my testimony here, and, and you will remember me. And, you know, unfortunately, we, we, you know, we, you know, these individuals do become somewhat, you know, immortalized or public icons, in, you know, in terms of as crime figures. And... Um, uh, so it depends upon their individual motivation. Others, I think, uh, are, are just so determined to, um, uh, to die that they turn the gun on themselves and, and kill themselves at the, at, uh, at the, at the crime scene. But the, where the, the comparison that I'm trying to draw here is this sort of fatalistic um, uh, 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 characteristic, personality characteristic, alienation and, and internal rage that um, public shooter and a suicide, um, someone who commits suicide, uh, share in, in common. And, and we can trace this, you know, where, what, so why is this happening? The next logical question is why are these things, two things happening simultaneously, uh, mass public shootings on the rise and uh, suicide on the rise? for the same sociological reasons. We live at a time now, after 9-11 in particular, where we're, we're, we're what I call an at-risk society. We're waiting for the next shoe to drop. What's gonna be the next terrible thing? Um, we're, 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 we're frightened um, as, a, as, a, as a society. Um, there's this, this uh, uh, a pervading sense of, of hopelessness for many people, financial um, and otherwise. Um, and, um, and so it's this, it's a, it's, we, we live with this heightened sense of anxiety and some people simply can't deal with it. Some people, um, uh, 
respond in these very self-destructive uh, ways. Wow. That's heady stuff for sure. I, I, I can see the parallel that you're drawing. And, you know, we're, we're, it just seems like we will never, ever go back to those um, comfortable 1950s or whatever. That's mm. gone. We'll, mm. never, we'll never see those kinds of com- uh, sources of comfort that a lot of us had if we're of a certain age growing up. And, and that's that's very sad that we can't get – I guess we have to look for how – how is there a can we maintain a sense of hope and comfort going forward, um, Scott? In in the face of all of this chaos and being at risk and waiting for the other shoe to drop, how do we create a scenario um, where we can we can feel comfort or safety at all? Is it possible? Well, I think I, I think that for me, um, uh, the answer to that question is. Um, spirituality is an individual journey. You know, I don't, I don't know that you can, um, that you can write a prescription for society as a whole um, and, and, and just uh, create a sense of calm and ease. Uh, I mean, we, we live, we live in a political time right now where uh, we, you know, without trying to get too political on the, you know, on the show here, um, you know, we, we have a, 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 an administration right now uh, presidential administration that is not the most calming in terms of the way that uh, that the information is disseminated and the way that uh, um, uh, issues business. are, are handled. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah it, you know, it's a very chaotic, um, very uh, seemingly um, uh, 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 heavy-handed and cold-blooded in many ways. And so I don't think that you know uh, is, is a common, has a common effect on, on society at all. Um, and, uh, uh, but, but peace comes from within. I mean, that, that, that's what I would say. And, and so it's an mm-hmm. individual journey. So anyone who's struggling, anyone who's suffering and, and, and feels that, you know, has these sort of feelings, I would encourage you to seek out, out help and, um, uh, psycho- psychologically, psychological help or, 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 or spiritual, uh, help. Because um, uh, peace comes from within, it, 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 in my experience. It doesn't come from the outside. You can't buy peace, um, and you can't uh, take a pill for peace, and you right. can't, uh, you, you can't um, uh, uh, you know, buy it at the store. It's work, yeah, it's, it's work on yourself, and that's very hard for people to do. And sometimes I, I struggle with that, too. It, it's, it's, all, it's hard for all of us, and we well, from a, put a lot from of us. Effort. From a sociologist Absolutely. and criminologist background, Scott, what do you feel like? Are there any solutions to this as far as um, suicide prevention, suicide awareness? What do you well, see from one thing we, your perspective? One thing we have to do is destigmatize it. You know, make it make it okay to talk about it. You know, because right now it's it's clearly still not okay. Um, to talk about it uh, in, uh, openly, you know, I mean, the, I, I was shocked. I, I've been on this bandwagon now for, you know, ever since Angela's suicide. Um, I, I frequently talk to TV producers, um, uh, you know, news shows, commentators, uh, reporters. And, and, I, and, I, and, I, and I've said there's this, there's this suicide epidemic. It's connected to, to um, uh, mass public shootings. And this is something that we should be talking about. And, and the standard answer that I get is, yes, I, I think you're right, but that's too disturbing. We don't, you know, we don't want to talk about that. We don't want to unsettle our audience. We don't want them to question their safety. We don't want them to um, feel, uh, 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 you know, uncomfortable. And uh, so as long as we treat it as this taboo, it's not going to change. You know, we, well, have to, we, have to, we have to de, de uh, stigmatize um, the, the, the discussion of suicide. They said that about sex years ago too, right? <laughs> and, <laughs> so I, I think it's uh, you know uh, media, it's a matter of evolving, and I want to encourage you. And I'm sort of giving a a plug for our colleague um, Sally Spencer Thomas, who does tremendous groundbreaking work in the field of suicide prevention. 
um, particularly mm-hmm. with those um, middle-aged men. Her brother uh, committed suicide here in uh, Connecticut, and she is, is a, a renowned resource. So I'm hoping that at some point you have time to connect with her because I think you two could do wonderful things together. I'm just saying. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah. Really, really. If anyone would understand, she does. And um, so I think, you know, to make headway, um, you know, you two would be a force to be reckoned with with regard to this um, with this topic. And I just, uh, yeah, it's it's like a minefield, and and it is uncomfortable. But yet, um, you know, there there are no true answers. But I just feel for people who have, again, my allegiance is being a homicide survivor, and then all of these people saying, oh, no, it, it looks like a suicide. So you're you're dealing with two um, very individual concepts here, and one is a little more palatable than, than the other. And um, so and we can't get a sense of comfort from either one of these. So from the perspective of being a, um, a, a, a crime victim and, uh, um, what what would you say to our audience? You know, if if you are a crime victim, uh, both uh, you know from uh, being a suicide survivor or a homicide survivor, uh, with with the kinds of things we should be doing if we have the energy on an individual basis here, and we have about eight minutes left to our show, just to give you a little time check there, Scott. Yeah, yeah. Um, well, be. If you're if you're on the the survivor side that you're either a victim or you know or, or you know a family member survivor, then mm-hmm. um, I would say that Donna, you're you're the role model. Be persistent. Um, demand justice um, because in, in my in my experience, the criminal justice system, courts, and and law enforcement and and lawyers, they're becoming more receptive to the needs of victims. They're becoming more open to it. Um, historically, it was just lock up the bad guy and uh, solve the crime, and, 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 and the victims were an afterthought. They're, they're becoming more uh, receptive to it, in, in my opinion, and that's due to the good work of people like yourself, Donna. So oh, thank be, you. be persistent. You know, be, be persistent. Um, I, I recently had an experience, um, which uh, I know Delilah knows about. I, I, Donna, I don't know how much you know about it, but... I, I somehow managed uh, last year to get a, a, a stalker, a cyber stalker. Um, oh, I know that lived, a little bit. Yeah. 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 And, and she lives a couple thousand miles away and, um, and she, I don't know. I have no idea how she, how she picked me. She must've either heard me on television or read some of my articles or something, but she became completely obsessed and it became obvious that she was very, very, mentally disturbed and she somehow got a hold of my personal information and she was absolutely bombarding me uh, personally and in the social media with outrageous um, uh, slanderous lies as well as all kinds of sexual uh, 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 pornographic content and it became really just uh, uh, over a period of several months a nightmare and I uh, finally, um, and, and she was not she was not at all coy about her location. I mean, she was she she was uh, she, her name, her identity, and her location. Uh, it was almost as if she wanted me to you know to be in contact with her, which is I think is what she wanted. She wanted direct contact. So, I long story short, I I, I contacted the, the the police department in her hometown, and after many many phone calls and reports and, and discussions, I finally found a receptive police sergeant who um, uh, filed a, uh, charges against her. And um, she, uh, it, 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 it's, it's been a sort of a long uh, journey, but she's in a, uh, a, mental a mental institution right now receiving treatment and she'll be there until July. So she's getting the help that she, that she obviously desperately needs, but, um, this became will she huge... be incarcerated after after her mental health treatment it, there... it's un, it's un, it's unknown um it's it's two uh-huh. separate things you, know, you, you when yeah. you start getting involved in these kind of issues there's civil versus criminal and right, right. now she she is um she's in there under a uh, under a under the uh, the uh, 
uh, a civil civil court judge, but she will face criminal charges uh, supposedly in July when she when, when she's released. What's going to happen at that point? I have no idea. Um, but but the point that I was going to make here is that I did find a receptive. Um, a police sergeant who was willing to work with me long distance, but it took many, many phone calls and many, many reports to get someone to listen and to be, you know, to take my, my situation seriously. Um, and it's so and that's exhausting. To, it it, it yeah. is, you know, and yeah. uh, so he did, so, so he was able to help, help you then do you feel as if when when she perhaps is released that you have well as a crime victim do you have any um protections going forward or do you feel as if well i'm going to have to be looking over my shoulder or 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 what what do you what do you feel about projecting into the future with this situation well i'm right now she's getting she's getting treatment and i hope that she benefits from this treatment Clearly, I mean, she, she's this woman is very mentally ill, um, mm-hmm. and and when you're dealing with someone as volatile and as obsessive as as she is, of course, there's a uh, a sense of, of of foreboding and 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 you know and and even and even uh, fear. Um, I I am trying to trust the system. Um, I'm in, in in touch with both the criminal court and the the civil court, so I'm doing Good. everything I can to uh, protect myself. But at the same time, as a human being, I mean, this woman is, is obviously very, very ill. And, and I feel for her as a, as a damaged and, 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 and sick person, I really hope she gets the, 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 the help that she needs. She's not an evil person. She's a, she's a very sick person. Yeah. Well, uh, that's a fine line to, to draw. And it's, it's good that over a period of time, you can, you can, feel feel compassion and i i think over a period of time you evolve somewhat i mean i can even think in in the stretch of the imagination with the perpetrator that killed my father i have a little bit different feelings um as as i did 37 years ago but over a period of time your 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 feelings do evolve somewhat i mean you're you're always going to mm-hmm. feel that anger and sense of loss and grief but yet you know, after ha- being armed with more information, particularly this last week, your your feelings do, you know, do kind of evolve in some ways that maybe are a little bit healthier. So I I think mm-hmm. we, we we think oh we're never going to change, but but we do we do, and you know uh, we we can have that same sense of rage and hold that in, in in our minds and in our bodies because it's so unhealthy, right? And that's what we right. Can, talking about as well we have to we have to evolve with the situation we have to change we have to be resilient we 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 still have to be advocates for change for others too and you know scott i just um think that uh with all of these situations um that you've described you have also been a role model and you know i thank you so much for for sharing today we you know we have about a minute or so what would you what would you like to leave our audience as a parting message here for our hour? Um, well, uh, I would say that, you know, many of the topics that we've discussed here today and many of the topics that just generally speaking, I, I write about, they're very heavy topics. They're, they're very um, uh, frightening topics and, 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 um, and, you know, can lead to, you know, a sense of despair. Uh, but but again, the, the the world the world is um, uh, uh, as it's going to be, and um, and we can't control it as as individuals. All we can do is be the best people that we can, follow our our you know our own uh, 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 inspiration, our own intuition, um, and and try to be good people, you know, and 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 then let the chips fall as they may. You know, we can't control the outside world. We we, we can't control mass shooters. We can't control um, what's happening in the White House. Uh, well, we can vote, but, but I mean, we, we're, 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 we're powerless over it. Day <laughs> or stalkers. To day. Uh, right. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Or, or stalkers. Exactly. So um, all we can do is be the best people that we can try to take the next right action and let the chips fall as they may and, 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 and try to love each other. That's about all we can do. Well, 
Yeah, I, I think that's very inspiring, and I want to give you an open invitation if you'd like to return to our show or, or whatever in the future, you are always welcome. Delilah, I'm going to let you have the last word here as I try to do. <laughs> the last word. I just want to thank Scott so much for taking the time to be on the show today. I think all yeah. of the information um, that we've talked about today is very important and it's very pertinent to, you know, the situations that we're facing in our, our everyday lives. So thank you, Scott, and never be a stranger. Right. Absolutely. Thank ahead, you. Scott. Thank you. It was, my, it was my pleasure. My pleasure to be here. Um, thank you so much for the invitation and, uh, I just wish everyone a you know a safe uh, safe day. Okay, very good. Well, um, thank you, and be sure to 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 share this podcast on social media, everyone. I know you'll get a lot out of it. Thank you, Delilah, as always, and we'll see you for the next edition of Shattered Lives Radio. Thanks a lot, Scott. Bye bye. Bye bye.